You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, everyone. This is Rico Mohammed coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. This is the Rates and Lanes podcast where we are committed to providing you with more tips and resources to increase your bottom line. Tonight, we might have a little surprise for you guys. Tonight, we may have a special guest dropping back in on us for a second visit this month. Um, we'll check check the lines here shortly and see if we got them on. But we're going to start out like we normally do. We're going to jump into the DAT trend lines, and we'll jump over into uh, the USDA truck market report. And I ran across a very, very interesting article about how to use, how not to use the title of the article, how not to use the spot market. And it's a, basically an article directed at shippers uh, and, and it's giving them some instructions on what they may be doing wrong on utilizing the spot market and how we may be able to glean some uh, insights from this article, uh, something that we might be able to incorporate into our toolbox because we have to know all um, as much information as uh, avail ourselves to as much information as possible so that we can try to put ourselves in the absolute best position so that we can win in the, uh, for our business. So with no further ado, let's jump over into the DAT trend lines. And um, there was a little bit of doom and, uh, gloom on Facebook a little earlier today. A couple people was talking about, uh, was talking a little bit about the uh, spot market. And the uh, headline says that load availability slips 5.6%. Freight availability remains strong on the spot market despite last week's seasonal decline, national average rate trends down two cents per mile for vans, flatbeds, and one cent for reefer compared to the previous week. So let's jump in and let's dig down a little bit deeper into the report. Let's look at the U.S. van demand for um, the week of October 12th through the 18th. And van, it says here van freight availability declined 2.9% last week and truck load capacity increased 4.5%. The resulting load to truck ratio slipped from 3.1 to 2.8, which is relatively strong for the season. But as I've, I've indicated before on previous podcasts, and it kind of reflects back onto the discussion that some of the guys were talking about on Facebook today, was that it seems that freight has kind of fell off for vans. And remember I was saying that that magic number for vans on these uh, load-to-truck ratios as far as DAT uh, uh, load-to-truck ratio is three. Anything above three is going to be really pretty good. Uh, anything, once it drops below three, it gets really, really tight. Um, it's been my experience since I've been using this for the past few years. Um, September van demand, the national ratio averaged 3.2 in September, a seasonal decline of 4.9% compared to August, and 13% above the level of September 2013. So you have to put those things into perspective as well. Uh, both loads post and truck posts increased on a both month-over-month month and year-over-year year basis. So like I say, put those two numbers uh, into perspective as far as the September uh, seasonal decline and the, uh, from September to August. Going to get over into the U.S. fan rates for the week of October 12th through the 18th. And the national average rates for vans slipped two cents last week from 201 per mile. Rates have remained above two dollars per mile for most of 2014. The uh, trip around the country, starting off in the East Coast uh, uh, in Philadelphia, showing an average of two dollars per mile. Out of Atlanta, showing an average of two dollars and two cents per mile. Out in the Midwest, in Chicago, showing two dollars and nineteen cents per mile. Big D, Dallas checking in at $1.75 per mile, and Los Angeles checking in, rounding us out at $2.25 per mile out in the West Coast. Um, it says here that vans added $0.02 cents in September. The monthly average van rate rose $0.02 cents 
in September compared to September of 2013. Van rates are up 9.2% from $1.85 to $2.02, including the fuel surcharge. So it's not a complete doom and gloom. I think that we have to maybe find the pockets of where we might need to try to um, not own this podcast and we're not reaching everyone, which is where the guys that do tune in and listen, we might be able to help assist you. You know, go ahead and press one. If we might be able to help direct you to where there seems to be some available freight at. Ah, I just got confirmation. I do have our special guests on the line, but when we finish this up, we'll, we'll bring them on here in just a second. And... Moving on over into the flatbed demand, flatbed load slipped 8.6%. October 12th through the 18th, flatbed capacity added 8% and load availability declined 8.6 last week for a 15% decline in the load-to-truck ratio. The ratio is now 21.9 loads per truck. And so flatbeds, after being... Up in the clouds, is starting to come back down to earth, which, you know, still to me, at a, a ratio of 21.9 loads to truck is still uh, really, really great. Um, low volume decline, 12% for flatbeds in September compared to August, and the capacity increased 5.6%, dropping the load to truck ratio by 16%. The ratio rose 71% compared to September 2013. However, do largely to increase demand. And let's jump over and look at the U.S. flatbed rates for this week. And flatbed rates dropped another two cents last week to a national average of $2.38 per mile, including the fuel. Um, rates dropped five cents in September. The national average rate for flatbeds fell five cents, 2.1% in the month of September. Uh, to $2.38 per mile compared to August of 2013, flatbed rates rose $0.22, cents, $0.10 per mile. <clears throat> and our tour around the country has us checking in in the Northeast. Uh, we have the Harrisburg market coming in at $3.62 per mile. On average, Atlanta checks in at $2.69 per mile. Rock Island, $3.09 per mile. Houston, Texas, $2.94 per mile. And Phoenix, Arizona, checks in at $2.02 per mile. Moving on over to the reefer segment. Reefer ratio slips. For October 12th through 18th, the reefer capacity increased 6.9% last week. And freight availability dropped 4.9%, yielding an 11% decline in the load-to-truck ratio at 7.8 loads per truck. Nationwide reefer demand continues to be unusually strong in key seasonal markets. September ratio slips 11%. The monthly average ratio for September lost 11% seasonally back to the July levels of nine after a surprising uptick in August compared to September of 2013. The load-to-truck ratio was up 3.6% last month. Reefer capacity has strengthened on both month-over-month and year-over-year basis, but the demand varies seasonally. And we're going to look at what are the U.S. reefer rates doing for this week, the national average rates. Reefers gave back one cent last week, returning to $2.28 per mile. Rates up five cents last month. Reefer rates rose five cents in September to a national average of $2.33 per mile. Compared to September of 2013, finished, rates finished 23 cents at 23 cents higher. Um, to around the country, Elizabeth, New Jersey checks in on average of $2.43 per mile. Lakeland, Florida checks in at $1.47 per mile. Green Bay, Wisconsin, $3.13 per mile. McAllen, Texas, $1.70 per mile. And Fresno, California, rounding us out at $2.19 per mile. 
really quickly, there's not a whole lot to go over on this USDA um, truck market report. There are really only about four markets probably are worth your while. Uh, Upper Valley Twin Falls, Burley District, Idaho is showing a slight shortage. Idaho County, Oregon is showing a severe shortage. Michigan is showing a slight shortage for apples moving out of Michigan. Uh, and Columbia Basin, Washington, those are your four markets that uh, showing uh, that's showing a severe shortage in Columbia Basin, Washington. So those are your markets as far as the uh, USDA truck market report is concerned. And with that said, let's see if I can find our special guest that's coming back. You guys are in for a treat. Coming back for uh, it's twice as nice in the month of October. Uh, Chuck, is that you? You got him. All right. Oh. So we're checking in with Chuck twice in October. How are you, Rico? I'm good. And yourself? Uh, we're doing well. Good, good. So what's going on? What's going on new over at traffic? Well, you know we're uh, we're busy. We're putting in hours. We're uh, we're facing, I guess, some of the same problems as everybody else is. Uh, shortage of drivers, um, and our biggest shortage really. Uh, we've lost about four guys off our team in the last five weeks, um, and it's it's age related illnesses. Um, we have a you know we're just like a lot of other companies. We have an aging um, you know driver pool, and it's a problem. And sure, a lot of people don't don't believe it is, but but some people still think that uh, that that a lot of people are crying wolf with this driver shortage. But I I tend to think that uh, we might be in for a reality check this time around. Oh yeah, uh, you know I've been I've been around this for forty years, and I got to tell you I've never seen anything like this in my life. And there's no not a lot of young people that want to get into it. There are some. And one of the good things that's happened up here in Ontario, they're starting to crack down on some of these second-rate truck driving schools, and that's taken taken a long time and a lot of complaining. You know, we we watch some of these newer drivers come into our yard from other companies sometimes, and you wonder where the heck did this guy get his driver's license? And I and I will go and ask him. Uh, you know, what course did you take? And all the time, it's always the same thing. It's some discount course. And a lot of times these new drivers end up shooting themselves in the foot because they take these discount courses and they do end up with a license, but the good companies won't hire them. And in the end, I think they make a hell of a lot less money than they would if they would have taken one of the better courses from one of the better schools and gotten their license, paid the proper amount, gotten the proper amount of training and ended up with a a much better future. Yeah, the training is is severely lacking. Up, uh, you know, I know definitely down here, uh, down here in the states, and uh, I see it's probably it looks like it's the same up that way up in Canada. So, I uh, just want to reiterate with you guys that are on the line. Hey, you have a special opportunity right now to get in, check in with Chuck for a second time this month. Chuck is a a uh, great person to bounce ideas off of. Like he just said a few minutes ago, he's got 40 years in the industry on both brokering and truck loads. So he's, he, he's I'm not going to say he's done it all and seen it all, but he's probably, he, Chuck has probably forgotten more than, than a lot of us have probably learned about this industry. And uh, you'd be crazy not to take a, take a chance to pick his brain and, and maybe uh, see what he has to say that might be able to help uh Increase your bottom line, some tips and tactics that he's he used to make him and himself successful. So if you got any questions or if you want to get in and come in and, and speak to Chuck or myself, feel free, press number one, get right on board. Um, Chuck, I got ran across an interesting article. Um, actually, I ran across it about 20 minutes before I came on the air. Uh, I didn't see this in the magazine. I, I actually get a hard copy of this magazine, and this article comes out of Inbound Logistics. Right. And uh, <clears throat> the title of the article is The Spot Marketing and How Not to Use It. Very intriguing article. And uh, the, the author of this article is a guy named by the name of Tim Taylor, uh, executive chairman of Network FOB, Inc., 
right? Um, and it says here, I'm just going to read a little bit of this. I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs from here, and, and I'll probably pick up in just a second, but I just want to read this and get this out there. Uh starts out, it says, many shippers don't realize that they are sabotaging themselves in the spot market. It is a standard rationale that competitive bidding achieves a lower price. However, our application of that principle distorts Adam Smith's law of supply and demand by creating a false demand bubble that results in higher prices and less profit for shippers. A list of lows to multiple brokers looking for the lowest bid, and we know that this is true. But what actually happens is the multiple uh, iterations of the same shipment goes out to the spot market, creating an artificial demand. As demand increases, the truckers naturally will hold out for the highest price. A new price threshold for a given shipment shipping lane is being breached every day, in part due to capacity stripped away from the market due to the new hours of service requirement. I think he's on to something. As those thresholds uh, breach, higher rates become the new norm, and it's going to be harder to drive those rates back down. Let's also not forget the once inexhaustible supply of new driver entering, entering into the market while it's exhausting itself due to the increased regulation in driver age. As these price thresholds breach shippers naturally will retreat from the spot market, who could they? Who could blame them? The problem driver efficiency still lies within the market, whether it's a spot market or a bid lane from an established carrier. The spot market, once unattractive to many major carriers, actually pays more per mile than the major than most major uh, carriers bid lanes. It won't be long for these established carriers shift more capacity to the spot market price. And I'm, I'm going to stop right there and, and leave off right there. Just uh, want to see if you got any comments so far. I have a lot. Uh, you, you know what? That one hits me. <laughs> Rico, that one hits me right in the heart uh, because I'm a real <laughs> believer uh, in the spot market. Um, it's It makes me laugh because um, I understand what he's saying, uh, but... To try to get to to try to get a carrier to commit to a rate in a in a marketplace that's ever changing is very very difficult unless you've got every single day daily freight from point A to point B. Um, it's pretty hard because things change so much. So if you've got you know, and I know some of some of the larger carriers in both our countries have that type of business where. It's contractual, and uh, what happens is they've got you know they've got so many trucks allocated to that customer to specific lanes, and the and the trucking company can then uh, allocate his costs fairly. He can buy the right amount of equipment. He knows um, he knows how to predicate the right amount of fuel, dispatchers, mechanics, drivers, extra drivers. Uh, if they're a great operator, which a lot of the big guys are, they can even go right down to tire costs. And everything is pre-planned. And in those cases, yes, I can see the, um, you know, these lanes and these uh, rates for certain lanes sticking like glue because the carrier and the customer are into a contractual arrangement and they both know what's involved. But when you have clients that are shipping all over the place and um, sporadically, uh, they're not going to have the same advantage as somebody that's got it tied up nice and tight. And it's not going to work. And I've I've moved several of our clients into a spot market environment. And the other thing I've watched in the last year is I've watched some of our clients spend a whole lot of money on RFQs. And because some of them are very large clients, uh, what happens is they work these RFQs and it takes them six months from the time they do the RFQ until they really put it out there for the carriers to start accepting the freight. Well, guess what? The prices on the RFQ are all yesterday's news. I just had a client of mine probably spend well over a million dollars developing this RFQ. 
and they sent us all these rates that we had bid on probably last March. And all of those rates, as far as I'm concerned, are null and void. And right. uh, the client said, you know, listen, you got to help me. Uh, you know, you got to bail me out of doo-doo. Uh, and we bid and we won. We, I forget how many we bid on, but we probably won, um, you know, 20, uh, 20 lanes. And he said, at least take two of them and make me look good, please. Um, so we did. We took the two best. But he said everybody was bailing on them. And we've seen this a number of times. So the spot market is, and I'm sure the spot market has driven those trucks out of hauling those cheap loads. Uh, things are going crazy on both sides of the border. You know, and I'm hearing some of those rates you're talking about. Um, you know, and I know all about them. And I got to tell you a funny story. Uh, last week, I, um, I was talking to a U.S. trucker down in North Carolina. And they were going to come up to New York State, and I actually had a load from them for them from New York State going to Texas, I think. And the 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 co-owner of the truck, the wife, said to me, "Well, we don't know if we're going to take the load because they're only paying four dollars a mile." And I said to her, "You know, it's kind of funny. We either shoot our foot, ourselves in the foot one way or the other. Either we work too cheap, or we outprice ourselves. You know, there's got to be some sort of happy medium." And I think that's one of the problems right. in our industry. We we go one yeah, way or the I other. Think that's, I think that's exactly it. You know, I did a little bit of dabbled a little bit in real estate uh, investing and stuff um, uh, back when the market was really really booming. And one of the things that you know um, a seasoned investor once told me, um, you know, I, I was sitting down, and I was picking his brain, and he was telling me he was like, uh, you know, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, and I yep. think that. Sometimes you know that same mentality. You know, it it it's hard to um, control. You know, constraint. You know, I think that you know a lot of times. Uh, I was, I did an interview, and and there's nothing wrong with the way that um, you know I did an interview uh, with uh, a magazine, and they were comparing myself and Chad. Uh, Boblin, Chad has a different style. You you you've met Chad, and and you talked yes. with Chad a few times. And and we kind of got two had two different kind of styles, and they kind of called Chad. Uh, you know, Chad is, is kind of like the, was was the hare, and they compared me to the tortoise with, with our different you know styles on right. how we try to operate our business. Um, and like I say, there's nothing wrong with you know if, if as long as you know what you are and know and know and understand what you're doing, there's nothing wrong with. I don't think there's anything wrong with either approach. However, you know. Um, when when things do when the, when the bottom does fall out when I'm starting to hear a lot of people complain right now about you know that, that, that the phrase not there and stuff like that these are the times when um, those relationships and and different things that you establish where with uh, people not saying that you did it for uh, you did it for anything less you know you still got a fair price for your services but you didn't you, you know you didn't you didn't rob the cradle you didn't you didn't rob the bank. Uh, in the process, and and you still have some a, a relationship available there. Now, um, but Chad is very successful at, at getting uh, crazy rates, and still has a good relationships with some, <laughs> with some of the people. Yeah, I know. This I... may be the tactic. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chad operates one truck, correct? Uh, he he operates one, but Chad has recently started doing. Um, he's kind of gotten into another venture where he's dispatching, uh, dispatching other trucks, other owner, owner operators right now, and uh, and he's been fairly successful with that as well. Okay. Uh, dispatching, you know, uh, uh, other trucks and stuff. Uh, he had surgery and he had to come off the road for a period of time. So, but yeah, he, he's been fairly successful with. But that. remember something about Chad, and Chad's got a. Uh... Chad's got a one-up on a lot of people in the fact that he has had some amazing experience working for some large U.S. carriers in sales, and he no, knows no, 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 where. No, you think, you, you think, you're thinking about you're thinking about you're thinking about George. You're thinking about George. oh, Chad okay. At, 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 at the, yeah, you, you think Chad was the one okay. that was on stage with me at the CMC? That's right. Uh, okay. There. I've got them confused because yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, you've spoken with Chad a couple of times on the phone. But yeah, right. uh, uh, funny thing, I was talking to George a little earlier, this, uh, a little earlier today. 
Um, how are you making out with that? I'm actually, it's actually coming out pretty doggone good. I got solid, I'm getting a solid rate going up, and I'm and I'm doing pretty doggone good coming back. Even though I'm, even though sometimes I have to say okay, and this is where running a business, this is where knowing your numbers and running a business, this this is what uh, you really have to understand this part because, for instance, the run is it's maybe like four hundred and uh, maybe four hundred fifteen miles total miles. And, right. uh, you know, I may get um, one day coming back down from North Carolina, I may get 700 bucks. I may turn around the next day on the spot market and get 1300 bucks. Just, it just, you know, it, it, it just all to know, okay, what is my cost involved with running this freight, with running this, running this lane? And also, I have to keep in mind the commitment that I made on this contract because I that I you know I don't want to let these guys down. I want to make sure that I service them. And I'm going to uh, later on tonight. I got some uh, some tactics uh, to increase um some. So I got some different tactics that I laid out to uh, help increase uh, customer loyalty and value. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit tonight as well. Um, a little bit later on tonight. But I, I I had some some different things that I was going to throw out there. Some just some different things, but, but, you know, but committing to these guys so that they knew that I was committed, that I wasn't going to leave them in the lurch, that I was going to, if I, if I have to deadhead, I mean, uh, that's how committed I am to servicing these guys on this end. If I have to deadhead back out of North Carolina, if I can't find anything, I'm prepared to do that. Um, you know, I, I, of course I couldn't, I, I wouldn't want to do that on a regular basis. <laughs> no, but you know what? You, you add that in. That's the cost of, uh, that's the cost of doing business and keeping a customer happy. So, it, you know, when you do those $1,300 loads uh, coming back down, um, you know, hopefully you can do enough of those so that if one every one out of every five load times you have to come back empty, that's okay. You know, and it all works out. But what you have to do, I find, with the the difference between operating a, a brokerage service and operating a trucking company, when you're operating a brokerage service, it's buy and sell. I get $800 from the customer and I'm paying you 700 and I make $100. That's pretty easy. Um, when you're operating a trucking company, all of a sudden, this is accounting. Other than the, right. the truck driving and the mechanical side of things, knowing your, your equipment, the rest, the most important thing really is your ability to understand numbers because that's all it is and you and if you know exactly. your numbers you'll be okay you'll get through this and, that, and that's where i find when i'm talking to owner operators so frequently they don't know their numbers you know i'll ask that you know when i have somebody come in uh one of the first questions i will ask them is what's your fuel mileage and it's it's not a trick question but it is because number one that tells me what this guy knows about his own business. And number two, I really right. want to know, because if he tells me he's getting 4.7 miles per gallon, I need to find out why, because he's not going to make any money with the cost of fuel. So why is he getting 4.7 uh, with a particular truck? You know, is it the way he's driving? Is it the truck? Because really, if he's getting 4.7 miles per gallon, um, we could never pay him enough to be able to feed his family, and I don't want that. You know, we don't lose owner-operators because they've lost their trucks or they can't feed their families. That's not why we lose them. Um, but that's important to me to know. And those are the sorts of things that you need to know. You need to know your cost, your cost of repairs and everything else. And I've seen some owner-operators that are so damn good, they've come in here and they can tell me what it costs them a mile for tires. These guys right. are accountants. Exactly, and you need to have that broken down. I think that uh, you know, I, I've, I've uh, I think I've put it out there on the Rate for Mile Masters page, uh, but if I didn't, I'll go back and check into the files. But there's a spreadsheet that has all of the stuff broken down, and you really need to make sure uh, if you haven't, you should do some rough accounting and, and know your you know get intimately acquainted with your numbers. Kevin Rutherford. Uh, was talking about this over the, on the weekend show, and uh, you know you, you need to have goals, and you need to have, you know, you really have to have your accounting and have you a monthly be able to see a monthly profit and loss statement on your business. 
those things are absolutely critical, especially when it comes to, um, you know, I, like I said, we talk a lot about race and lanes and stuff, a lot, and, 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 and when everything was going really bonkers with the race, you know, I, I, I was really um, kind of, um, I don't know, scared of it, it, because I, I don't want to see people jump out there and say, man, you make it, they're making all this money, and then they get out there and get bit because you're not you're not dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's. And I think that's something that, that I, I didn't want. I may want to try to make sure that, uh, especially on our show, that we were, we were really trying to get that across to people, that we didn't want the numbers to get lost in, in, uh, on, on people and for them just to get all excited about uh, the opportunity that's out there. There is a tremendous opportunity that's out there, but uh, there's also a great amount of risk that's involved with this business as well. Uh, Chuck, I'm going to wrap up this final part of this article real quick. I'm going to wrap up these. It's got about four paragraphs in here, and I'm going to read these last four paragraphs. And uh, on this article here, the spot market and how not to use it. And I'm picking back up. It says, um, the author says, my advice to shippers is to use the spot market in a different way. Don't put your daily or weekly loads out to multiple brokers. Create and overstated and unintended consequences of artificial demand. Instead, sequence to a single uh, to a sequence uh, <laughs> sequence to a single competent broker and use spot market as an example of accurate supply and demand. If you have core carriers, and this is one of the things that I think that a lot of shippers uh, drop the ball on. They don't have core carriers. I think that a lot of guys just give everything to a broker and, and not begrudging the brokers that's, that's getting that business or anything, but I think that shippers could do themselves a lot better by having some core carriers. Um, so if you have core carriers, you have a bid all your lanes out, and they can commit to only 80% of this week shipment, then let the spot market take the 20%. Go against the common thinking and apply a new norm. The new norm would be to have a spot market that takes what it what it wants rather than try to force the spot market to take leftovers. Why is this the case? In the real world, the spot market wants loads they know they can get them back to a home base or to a point where they have known shipping at a good price. The spot market is impacted and will not go to points where they're certainly getting out of reasonable rates and, and where reasonable rates do not exist. Trying to force your will is like shoveling sand against the ocean. The natural principles of e economics will survive, will serve us better than uh, un unnatural manipulation. There are advantages to using the spot market. For example, using the spot market correctly can ideally reduce backlogs of shipments and keep costs under control. We must remember that economic principles, once properly understood and applied, will always serve the public and logistics industry better than what we think is slick maneuvering. And that's the end of that article. I'm going to post that article on Facebook for everyone that wants to get a chance to read that for themselves and just take a look at that. I think that was a really, some, really uh, great... He, he, yeah, he brings up some really interesting points. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, clients I know of that really don't want to deal with carriers unless that carrier has a brokerage arm because they just look at it... I don't want to have to make four calls to get my product moved. I just want to make right. one call and it gets done. And if I've got to start making four calls, that means I've got to hire somebody. And to make sure they're honest, I've got to hire somebody that's competent and I've got to pay them decently. So I've got to pay that person uh, forty-five to $70,000 a year. And they figure, you know, and on top of that, especially up in Canada, um, you can add about 30% um, by the time you pay employers tax and uh, Canada pension and um, and everything else you need. <clears throat> so an awful lot of shippers have just gone to using third parties and brokerages. And I'm sure it's the same thing in the United States, and that's why the brokerage industry is so strong. And it just keep it, it allows them to just take that part of their business. These are manufacturers or importers or exporters. That's what they do. They're not in trucking. They're not in logistics. And they just farm that out to somebody else, and it works. And they've a lot of them have been very successful. 
uh, doing it, and they don't want to make those calls. And I notice that sometimes when I make a call as a carrier, they go, we don't want to deal with carriers. Now, there are lots of times I make a call as a broker, and they go, no, we don't deal with brokers. <laughs> so that's why I like to wear both hats. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've had that experience myself, Chuck, with, with making um, cold calls and, and calling some people. Um, I had a uh, um, produce, uh, I was calling on some guys uh, up in, they went down in Florida, actually, when, um, you know, trying to find somebody that was shipping out of Florida, and I called one of the uh, produce packing houses down there. And the guy was like, "Yeah, we don't we don't deal with carriers. We deal strictly with brokers." And I'm I'm like, "Well, I'm broke. I can broker as well." And and, and we had a conversation. He actually sent me a <laughs> sent me a couple of loads. Well, there you go. Yeah, because they don't want to. You know what? One the same call they make to the carrier is the same call they can make to a broker. If they give it to a broker, better chance it's going to get covered. Now I have a real problem when a client. Uh, gives the same load to two or three brokers to try to get it covered. Um, when that happens, I usually back off. I I will not compete with other brokers on the same load. I just won't because uh, yeah, it's just not that, the way. Yeah, not the way we want to do business. Right, right. And I was going to get over here to this other um, the other points that I was talking about a little earlier. Uh, about some different tactics to use to increase the customer value and loyalty. Um, and number one, we live in the age of social media. And I think that um, if you got a customer or if you got someone, uh, we we talk, we often have talked about the uh, review process that DAT offers now. And, uh, and I think that ITS also has it. But there, I was in the review process of uh, when you're reviewing brokers and stuff like that or shippers, um, you can do a review, and you can review them. But you can there's also a tab on there that you can click to ask them to give you a review as well. And we live in the age of social media, where 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 more and more businesses are starting to try to get out here on the social media and get connected, and and businesses with uh you know with LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all these different things. Uh, but if you if you had a really good experience with someone. Uh, maybe a mention of them on social on social media. You know, uh, they have people that are watching these things, uh, especially if you have someone that you you've done that that has done business with you, and you've got it. You're starting to get that rapport, and you're developing some uh, some good uh, back and forth with them. Maybe give them a shout out, especially if you if you have a web page or anything like that. If you write blogs or anything like that, I'm I'm pretty sure they will be much appreciative. This, these are just some of the tactics that you might be able to use to help build um, that loyalty and uh, customer and that value for that customer because you're backing kudos out in the, in the public domain. So that's always a good thing. They'll probably be much appreciative uh, appreciative to that. Uh, Chuck, what do you think about the, that? Uh, it's a good thing I got you on tonight, so maybe, maybe some of my tactics might not be so good. Maybe you can... <laughs> I think it's you know what I I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing and I think that it's very similar to when you have an employee and and you take them aside and say you've done a great job uh, that's one thing but when you uh, in front of everybody if you say hey you know uh, Bill here has done a phenomenal job in getting this you know this task done uh, you know three three cheers for Bill everybody I'm buying donuts today or. Uh, I'm buying lunch because Bill did such a great job. Well, you know what? Bill feels like a million dollars. So, of course, that's the old way of doing it with employees, which I still do sometimes. Um, when you do that with a customer on social media, just be careful uh, and make sure it's acceptable because there are there are some companies that don't want, um, they want to keep a lower level. I have some customers like that that I can't even mention that I do business with them. So just make right, sure, right. you know, if it's a smaller business, but, you know, some of the larger, uh, I'm sure the larger brokerage companies would, would not mind, but if it's a, a uh, you know, perhaps it's a, a private enterprise, you know, a shipper that's really treated you well, even though you're saying kudos, they may not, because of security or just privacy, they may not want anything said. So just make sure you're not going to get any doo-doo, but I think it's a great idea. The, the concept of it is, you know, it's a public reward. And, and people right. love it. And those are the things you can do that don't cost a lot of money. 
then let them know, hey, you know what, I said, yeah, yeah, I said something good about you because I think you're such a great guy. Well, next time you have a truck wherever he has a load, you'll be number one. Right. People remember that stuff. We got some questions popping in. Let's see. Let's go here. Woods. uh, It says Woods here, uh, 786 area code. Uh, What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, how you doing, Rico? Um, My name is Artavis Woods. Um, thank you for having okay. me calling from Miami Gardens, Florida. Um, I thanks for call- thanks for checking in with us, our team. Hey, Rico, thank you for having me. Um, I have a couple of questions in regards of what I've heard you guys talking about tonight. And one, please forgive my voice. I had no horse this weekend when kids football game. One question <laughs> is, how do I start tracking? I hear you guys talk about numbers and knowing how much how much um, per mile, you need for your tires, um, your profit, anything. And right now, um, I just got tax audited yesterday, and this is my first year. I was a little upset, but listening to you tonight gave me a lot of hope that next year I'll be a lot better. How do I start tracking my business income and payments so that at the end of the year or at the end of the month, like you just said earlier, I can be more knowledgeable to know what my income was, what you know, what my bills would be within the business itself. Um, you know, and did I profit or did I lose? Um, that's the first question. And the second question was, should I, as a one truck operator, one truck operation, um, try to look for those long term contracts throughout those you know the yearly long contracts, or should I chase the produce as things come in in season? And I heard you say about getting the, the contracts and the customer want to know, listen, I have freight coming all year long, but when produce season comes, are you going to leave me high and dry? Should I find a customer like that and be consistently profitable through the year? Or as a new owner operator coming in, should I try to find, should I try to just change, I, I would say, the, the, the market as they as, as it depends on the process? Good well, thanks, Art, thanks for your question. Yeah, thank, thanks for your question. Um, I'm, I'm going to say this real quick. I think just my opinion is that, uh, first of all, you have to be true to yourself. Uh, you have to find out what is your why. Why are you doing this? And you have to let that be your guiding principle. That's my opinion. Um, yes, I, I have a family... I, I have a family. I, I enjoy spending time with my family, and I, and I want to be around my family as much as I possibly can. Even though my job, my my profession, takes me uh you know, t- takes me away from them um a, a good bit. So I prefer the method of trying to have you know I know what I need. I, I know how much money I need to to make my life do what it, my life needs to do. Um, so I'm, yeah. I'm answering your second question first. So you know, you, you just kind of have to take those things in, take those things into perspective. At least that's my opinion, and figure out okay, uh, how much is enough? What is what is good enough for me to do what I need to do to to uh, live a comfortable lifestyle? Um, so yeah. so for me, for me, that was you know, I don't I don't I don't enjoy running out. I don't like being no further than uh, two days away from the house at most. Uh, preferably one day away from the house if I possibly can. Um, but I, I don't. I definitely don't like the cross country. Uh, I just never got a really good kick out of it. I, I've done it early on in my career. Uh, you know, got the t-shirt, been there, done that. But as, as the, the older I get, and and, and I and my children and stuff like that, I, I want to be able to see them grow up as much as you know. Yeah, as, me as, too. As, as, as much as I possibly through. can. Exactly. Because you know, I got that, two boys in college and everything, and that's one of the main things. You know, you want to be profitable. You want to be a professional at your industry. And because of people like you and other people, I mean, I've been blessed to be able to listen to you guys, take knowledge, keep my mouth quiet but my ears open, and get more of a better concept. And like I said, I'm just looking to move forward um, from running from the mistakes that I made and moving forward. But I just wanted to kind of have a more general idea. So if you meet me in the street or a good friend of mine, Kevin Riley, meet me in the street, but hey, Woods, uh, what was your profit last month? I don't want to sit there and, you know, look really embarrassed 
tell me because I don't know. Well, you know, your profit, your, all you do, it's, it's mathematics, Artemis. You need to find out what your costs are. It's real easy. Right. Uh, you start chart, charting all your costs, your truck payments, your truck repairs. Um, you have to budget something for truck repairs. You need to know what your, you know, uh, your tires. Go to a tire guy and find out, you know, what condition your tires are in, how long you got on them. You can start budgeting then. Okay, and you can say, okay, these tires, I've got another year left on these tires, and then I'm going to have to put skins all around. Um, so then you can start budgeting what the cost of tires are going to be. Um, and then you have, if you're running into an area where there's tolls, uh, you know, that's predictable. You know that you're going to have a toll every day on a certain trip. Um, I think you're probably best, you know, you talk about on, on the other thing, um, you know, what to do, play the spot market or find something steady. I think overall, especially living in the state of Florida, um, hell, it's getting real bad down there. I noticed yeah. that your produce season gets shorter every year. Um, if you're dragging a reefer around, I would strongly recommend you try to lock into something that's steady because the produce market is way too volatile. You're subject to frost now more than ever probably. Um, as well as they're not doing nearly as much uh, farming down in Florida as they used to as far as produce. So yes, I would consider that in making my decision. And you'll probably do better on freight going into Florida than you will coming out. That's uh, what I'm so doing I, now. That's what, that's oh, yeah, what okay, I'm doing now. I'm better going in than I'm going and, out. Well, of course, you're always going to. There is, there is, of course, uh, if you go on the Rate Per Mile Masters Facebook page, and if you go at the top of the page, if you click on Files, there is yep. a spreadsheet. Um, there is a spreadsheet that, I, that is in there for owner-operator cost of operations, where you can start to begin to put, um, you know, put all your costs in there, and it'll break everything down for you by the mile per mile. Um, oh, wow. You know, because you. Yeah, it it, it, it kind of starts out, if it's like the one that I had, it starts out with, uh, it actually, with how many miles do you, do you intend on running per year? And, and it just kind of works, it's, it's it's a math equation, it just kind of works everything backwards. And as far as tracking okay. your expenses and everything else, I would be remiss if I did not give a plug to uh, the guy that gave me a shot and opportunity to, to even have this podcast. Kevin Rutherford has the, the uh, his, his uh, software for bookkeeping is, some of the it's probably one of the best things that are out there. Um, Nineteen bucks a month right now. If you sign up, I think I heard him saying last night. Right now, if you sign up for the uh, accounting software that he has, he will open up okay. all of the months. You only have to pay the nineteen dollars, and you can go back and and catch your bookkeeping up from the beginning of the of the year all the way up to now, and you will have all of your reports broken down, your profit and loss, and everything, and they will do the first month for you for free and they will teach you how to do your own bookkeeping and everything so that you can become intimately aware with your numbers. So uh, definitely uh, contact, um, uh, go to the uh, Less Truck uh, site and, and get in contact with them for the accounting software and, uh, and maybe take them up on that. And so you, you can sign up for the free trial and, and get on board with that as well. Rico, you guys are awesome, dude. You just cleared my mind on hey. things, and I'll keep on listening to you. Thank you so much, Rico. Thank you, Artemis. You guys take care. You too. Be safe. All right. And 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 look at what the cat drug in. We talked him up, uh, Chuck. George, how you doing? Hey, hey George. Hey, <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, hey, can you hear me okay? I'm actually driving. Yeah, I can hear you great. Oh, okay. Um, you know, you mentioned, you talked early on just about, um, hang on, I'm trying to drive. Uh, about the driver shortage. And I, yeah, I missed the gear. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but with regards to driver shortage, it's not just a matter of a driver shortage. I think it's a quality driver shortage. And that's what I run into so much. And, and one thing that prompted me to really start my business two years ago was customers complaining about, you know, I hate to say it, guys and gals coming in that look like they just crawled out under a rock. Well, that's a, you know what? You're 100% right. Uh, but unfortunately, the industry becomes a little bit more desperate every day. 
um, because there's freight to move. They've tried everything possible as an industry, including hefty pay increases, and that's not working. Um, you know, I, I know some of the big guys in the states have, you know, have given huge uh, pay increases, and we've seen every every sort of thing possible to get people to to come over to different companies, and it's tough because there is a there's a finite number of people that are willing to do this job, and this job has gotten an awful lot tougher. And even though we have more creature comforts in a truck, it's gotten tougher. And I think, and we've talked about this before. Um, Overall, a lot of the receivers uh, and shippers have become, in, in some cases, more difficult to deal with. They're not driver-friendly. The thing I see in the segment of the industry that I'm targeting, with, with the years in, that I spent in sales, I listened to my customers of what they wanted handled, and I kind of went after the business that nobody wanted, whether I was at you know, R&L Carriers or New England Motor Freight. They were all like, no, that's not created. We're not taking it. Uh, I'll take right. any of that. Um, and I think it's really blossomed well into that. It's kind of hit one of the hardest things for me probably in the last six to eight weeks is I've had over a dozen times where I've had to say to customers, no, I can't do anything. I'm, I'm As it stands right now, I mean, two weeks ago, I was telling people I was booked through November 9th. And it's kind of a scary thing because I don't like saying no to my you know, business partners that have helped me to grow. I know exactly what you're talking about. I just had that today with a client... Uh, I've been trying to get into for ages. They called me uh, because we were a proof carrier at a particular chain in the U.S., and it wasn't that I could give somebody else the load to haul. It had to be on one of our trucks, and it was a great-paying load, which is really unusual out of Toronto, but it's becoming more uh, more usual for stuff paying more. And uh, And I had to say no, and it almost killed me. Uh, you know, I was looking at all sorts of different possibilities, and I understand exactly what you mean. Um, and, you know, it's a systemic problem within this industry. And until we, it, it, part of it is a lifestyle, part of it is a payment, uh, it's a whole bunch of things. And we've got to, we, we've got to keep attracting better people um, into the industry. And that's the only way it's going to sustain itself. You know, prices are going crazy right now because there's nobody to do the work. Yeah, and uh, and and it goes back to what Rico opened. You know, with talking about the article, people right. need to not just read the laws of supply and demand, but understand them. I learned those in high school. I learned them again in college. They've been in place for years. It is what it is. There's there's nothing to contest there, and and I just don't think people understand all that really is. Oh, they're learning real fast, George. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're getting a tough lesson in economics. Yeah. Let me ask you this. When you talk about, you do much more with the brokerage. Uh, I sold brokerage with any of the trucking companies I worked for because they all had that. But right, right now, my business, I have less than 2% brokerage. It's all direct shippers. But right. I, I'm a firm believer that some of the best and strongest freight out there never hit the brokerage or a load board. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Totally agree with you. It's tied and, up, and, uh, and there, there are relationships there. You know, it, it may, I, I, I stress that so much with the relationship. I build this as friendships, and the business is just a formality. They ask me to do something, and I do it. As an example, I've had, I had four shipments for one of my customers this week. Uh, the last one has two pieces we have to drop in Saratoga Springs. Uh, I was hoping to be there earlier for dinner, not going to make it for dinner, but the two folks from the crew, we're meeting and we're going to go out tonight and have a few drinks. Most people would probably just come in and say, nope, I'm all done. No, I want to hang out. I want to get to know these people as friendships, and, and too many people miss that. But maybe, you know, with my 18 years of having been in sales, including the two years of my company, I had a different advantage of understanding what it took to build those relationships, but it takes a lot of work. Well, George, you're a, you know your your background is you are a salesman, um, and that's first and foremost what you are, and you're damn good at it, and you're successful in your business because of it. Um, people get into you know into the trucking business for two or three reasons. Number one, they know how to drive a truck. Uh, number two, they may know how to fix a truck. 
And last of least, it's you get the odd person that gets into it because they're great at sales. And even at that, you know, I'm seeing uh, from the carrier end, I'm not seeing a great amount of talent uh, working for carriers these days. I see a lot of talent on the brokerage and third-party logistics side. It's all gone there. Oh, but, you're a, mm. but, you know, you are a different cat. Uh, you've got a different way of looking at things, and I, I respect that. And I always enjoy talking to you, and I couldn't agree more. There are still some shippers out there that the most important thing in their life is not cheap. The most important thing in their life is getting that product to their market. And they don't care whether it's, you know, $300 or $3,000, it's got to get there. They don't want any excuses. And you've been able to hone in on those customers, and those are the ones you want. Yeah, and, and one thing I want to stress, with as you say that, it has, but we're also not necessarily saying adjusted time. We're saying, yep, we're going to commit, we're going to do this, we're going to be there. Prime example, last week. I said to my customer, yes, I will be there for the installation on Wednesday. You want me there at 9 o'clock? I'll be there at 9 o'clock. I let them know the day before. I'm in Kansas City. Everything's fine. But if you run into a delay, for Pete's sake, call and tell somebody. Oh, People of realize things go wrong, but don't, don't you know, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, when you're supposed to be there at 10 in the morning, they're calling you saying, hey, where are you? Uh, yeah, I broke down. No, no you no, can't do that. <laughs> you know, I've always said to my dispatchers, don't shun away. Don't shy away from bad news. Tell the customer the word. Tell them the truth immediately. Do not send an email. Call them. They're bad news fans. They're bad okay. news fans. And <laughs> take a, he can only kill you once. And <laughs> no, you know what? <laughs> take, take, it, take it right in from the get-go. Take it and get it out of the way. It's like a band-aid. Just pull it off and be done with it. And exactly. Then and you know what? The customer at least, and, and I've had this, where we've been late because of weather, because we run, you know, we're running trucks to California, so weather's nothing new, and we run trucks out of Alberta into British Columbia and down into California from there, and so weather's, you know, it, it's always an issue, and we've had customers that have done stuff like said, you know, get get over to an airport to this airport and have the driver go in and take a couple of boxes off the last skid and get it on a plane or give it to FedEx, at least we'll have enough to keep the plant going because we let the customer know that gave them an alternative. And you've got to do that. that. We did that many times on the LPL side because they never really needed the entire load or the skid. It was like, what if we... I used to do that. We used to put them in my car and take them down the road and say, listen, I can't get the guy there for four hours, but if I grab four, four cases and put them in my car, will that help? Oh, yeah, that'll sure. those the press going. You know, yep. and it's just working with them, partnering with these people. This isn't an adversary relationship. This needs to be a mutually beneficial relationship for both people. And if you're dealing with a party that is just hammering you constantly on price, I think it's time to move on. Well, you know, George, it's funny you say this because I was just talking to a client of mine the other day, and their logistics department has been taken over by a great big, huge uh, third-party logistics company in the States where everything was done on an RFQ and now it's all the orders are supposed to come through on EDI and it's as cold as steel. And, you know, and with this particular customer, they needed favors all the time. They still do. And just weird favors where you've got to run up, you know, a bunch of trucks emptied Omaha or something. And they paid for it because they needed the service. This entire restructuring of their logistics department, which takes the relationship out of the logistical partnership will ruin it for both of us. And nobody's going to win. I'll move on, and my trucks will be hauling somebody else's freight from Toronto and um, and back up. And, you know, um, their stuff's not going to get moved because they've gone through this thing for cheapest rate and given up that relationship. You and know, you Chuck, can't have relationships with computers. Yeah, we used to always say, and I don't know if, if you, but when I first got into LTL sales, they used to say there were really three segments uh, to coming up with, up with the price of transportation. You had price, you had service, and you had entertainment. The key was you had to pick two of them. Right. You know, sure. and, and, 
Yeah, and you know, and and if you really write that down to look at it, you'll understand. Um, but I mean, there there just there really are some wonderful opportunities out here, and I, I just you know I, I follow some of the the pages on Facebook, and I, I some of these questions I, I see and I look at it, and I just I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm different, but I just get frustrated and say, did, did you really ask that question? You know, these people well, are different for them. <laughs> no such thing as a, you know, there's no such thing as a dumb question. People don't know, and they need to be educated. And that's our job, all of us. Yeah. And gentlemen, I, I don't know, uh, we're we're definitely in overtime. That hour just blew right by. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was fun. <laughs> yes, it was. It never seen. It never seems to be enough time. I tell you that I would just it just flew right by. So uh, I didn't get a chance to even get us to give us a proper closeout or anything like that. But for the people that are still on the line, uh, still got quite a few people that are on the line that are listening. Uh, just want to do a little bit of housekeeping and say that, um, of course, every Tuesday, Kenny Long has his podcast uh, about uh, getting your getting your authority and everything. So definitely check out Kenny Long's podcast, uh, Trucking with Authority. And tomorrow night, uh, Chad Poplett has his podcast, Brokers and Beyond. Uh, so definitely uh, same time, 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Definitely come back, check out uh, those, both of those podcasts. We definitely appreciate you guys for sticking around and checking us out tonight. Um, and with that said, Chuck, do you have anything you want to say before we wrap up and get out of here? No, Rico, nothing much. Just I've had a great time talking with you people. Uh, always enjoy your show. Always enjoy our conversation. Be safe. I gotta send. I gotta send you some links, Chuck. I, I've, I've been remiss. I gotta get those links out to you so that you can uh, have those as well. Um, and everybody that's still on the line, be, please go by and check out Chuck's blog. Uh, I think he just got a new one. Just I got an email a little early in the week. I believe Chuck just did a, a new one talking about. Uh, I think he was talking about the 40th anniversary, right, Chuck? Yeah, I think I was. Yeah, and uh, George, you got anything you want to say before we get out of here? You know what? Thanks for taking my call, Chuck. It, it is always probably one of my favorites of the month is listening to to you coming in. I, I just. I feel like we can relate a lot, but boy, I, there's so much I want to learn from you. I just, this, for, for me to step into this, this, this has been a dream that I've been wanting to do since I was a kid. And, you know, I had a wife that pushed me two years ago and said, let's do it. You spent hundreds, or you, 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 I used to spend years filling hundreds of trucks. I can't fill one. Well, it's, it's coming together. So. I'm proud of what you've done, man. I think you've done a great job. Well, you've got a lot to pay off, but it'll all come together. Oh, yeah, definitely. Thank you very much, Enrico. Oh, great job. Nice job. Thanks. Hey, thank, thank you night. guys for the support. Thanks, good night, Rico. everyone. Y'all have a good one. Take Be care. safe out there. God bless. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-PUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.